deepest, darkest voice um, territory as well. How low can you go? I think I can go lower than you. I don't think <laughs> The older we get, the more our voices get. The more I smoke. <laughs> so I guess I go first. You this, do this yes, episode, right? Do, yeah. yeah, this is something that had me so interested that I actually looked up the stock price on it. (laughs) It's a fascinating business idea that's gotten going in China Mm -hmm. and also in Korea to some extent too. You know, in North America, we have a pretty well-established way of how to market goods. Right. Advertising, billboards, so on and so forth, but mostly advertising on, you know, magazines, radio, TV, Mm -hmm. you name it. Some dead mediums in there, but <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't have that there. And then we easily started shopping online. But when people in China got the mobile phones, then they started shopping online. Because mm-hmm. companies, this particular company I want to speak to, Pinduoduo, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. Pin sure, du- I'll go with that. We'll go with that. But it's, we're, we're doing our best, folks. So they saw, they started in 2015 because they saw an opportunity to get more people buying online. And what really intrigued them was the group buying model. Mm -hmm. This is so interesting. They saw a real need, and I'm just going to keep it to the food idea, Mm -hmm. but they saw a real need to buy your own food online is expensive. Nobody could afford to do it. So they would get groups together. So you could use friends and family, maybe people at work, and you'd all go out and make a mass order together. Mm -hmm. Let's suppose you and I and 20 or even 50 of our friends all wanted to buy tomatoes together. Right. How many people you have in the group exponentially causes the cost of the food to drop. And then when it arrives, this is the kicker, though. There has to be somebody who's going to distribute the food. Yeah. And there's going to be somebody who's going to collect the money and mm-hmm. pay the company for the food. But it's really working well because it's you actually, if I was the one who was collecting for the tomatoes, I would make more money because I would have a position within that food chain, mm-hmm. the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought they said pretty much a side hustle, a great idea is a little side job for Ms. Shoppa. Mm-hmm. I think they're really sort of appealing towards women okay. who are living in smaller Chinese towns and then to go out and then to get all their friends. And they love it because everybody gets together. It's turned into a social event when the food is shared and Ms. Shoppa gets, you know, heightened status in the community and everybody's happy. I actually, I sent this off to um, a friend of mine who owns Oak Ridge Acres, which deals with local farmers in Ontario. Uh-huh. And I was thinking this could be a really good model for them. Like the, if they wanted to sell their food, especially, you know, their meats and things like that in the winter, to people in the city, you just put together, I could be Miss Shoppa, and then you could come over and get all these fantastic, you know, organic root vegetables mm-hmm. from Miss Shoppa Bond. Yeah, I mean, they, so they talked about the group buying thing, and the other thing they talked about was something that we're also seeing happen in North America, which is more of the selling things through social media, like through WhatsApp or 
you know, WeChat in the case of China and so forth, which is also interesting. Like I know for, you know, a lot of younger people, like people shop on Instagram all the time, right? Like I don't do that, but a lot of younger people do do that. It's, it's an interesting kind of model. And Well, yeah, and then it's gone even farther than that because now some people, like if they're really top tier influencers, they're getting their own TV show. Hmm. So they combine shopping with entertainment. Yeah. And I thought it's kind of like, I was going to send this to a friend of mine who used to work at the shopping channel fairly high up, mm -hmm. because it is the shopping channel, but it's really kind of glitzy. There's this one, it's the woman's name is Via, V-I-Y-A, mm -hmm. and more people tuned in to watch her show than they did the Oscars, Game of Thrones, or the football. Huh. The big, the big <laughs> football game. That's how much we know about, about the, the the football thing. Yeah, the yeah. football, the kick in the <laughs> Very ball. Very popular is the important yeah. thing. <laughs> I, I did go to a football game a couple of weeks right. ago, but yeah, no. Yeah, it's interesting actually. When I was reading this, it was it reminded me that a little while back I read um, the you know the Quartz Africa newsletter which is sort of about innovation and business in various parts of Africa, and they had a thing talking about social e-commerce there as well, and how in parts of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, it's like the fastest growing area of social e-commerce in the world, like super fast growing. And I was talking to a friend of mine, a uh, colleague about this, uh, who told me this story about a guy who had a really great idea in Kenya. He started um, like a large WhatsApp group and then he would go to the marketplace and people would place their orders over the WhatsApp group. And then because, uh, you know, cell phone money transfers are so commonplace in Kenya, they would just, you know, send the guy their money to pay for the goods over their phones and yeah. he would get it there and then pay for the vendors there and distribute it. And that was the way of kind of forming these bridges to make the market operate a little bit more sort of seamlessly and to connect the farmer's produce with the local market with the consumers that wanted to buy them. And he's obviously taking a little bit off the top. And since then, I looked up what they were doing, and they've it's actually become quite a big business, and they're expanding into, I think, Nigeria now, and in a slightly different model, but it's like yeah. an interesting way of trying to sort of formalize the marketing. Very interesting models. Yes, yeah. indeed. And now you have an interesting story about food, too. Do you ever use these uh, food meal kit things, like where they <laughs> oh, deliver? Yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. I did it for a year and a half. I won't name the company. Okay. Did I ever get sick of that food? Oh. It was really good food. Yeah. But they kept delivering the same stuff all the time. Mm. You know, it was very, very limited in choice. I can only eat so many of these, those chicken wings. The meatloaf was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, VentureBeat had this story about, um, it's like a profile of a... A meal kit company called Gobble. Mm -hmm. And so basically what they're doing is actually trying to address some of those kinds of things by using, and you know, there's a lot of language around like proprietary algorithms, AI, la, la, la. But really it's just essentially getting better at recommending stuff and figuring out what your tastes are. Yeah. Partly based on what you and other people tend to like and use and rate well so it gets to know what your preferences are in taste but another interesting thing is it does it by things like weather right so okay so there's going to be like a big rainstorm in Toronto so people are going to want more comfort food type of thing that kind of idea mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of an interesting model of becoming a little bit more smarter and flexible and the, the executive that runs it uh, Ushma Garg talked about how 
she drew the comparison to Netflix. Like if you watch yes. a promo for a Netflix show and it's not interesting to you, like, so what? You wasted 30 seconds of your life. But if you have a meal and then it's like, I don't really want to eat this, it's more expensive and it's like an investment of your time. And obviously then you have to find something else to eat or whatever. So they're just trying to get smarter about that kind of stuff. Well, but it makes a lot of sense from um, a food point of view. I don't know. At first I was like, oh, AI, you know, the AI, my AI, who I've now I call my AI Margaret. Margaret <laughs> is going to tell me what I'm going to eat tonight. What do you feel like, Kathy? Hmm, I'm not sure. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is the thing. Like, I found this story on Twitter, a guy that I follow, Chris Gilliard, who goes by the handle uh, Hypervisible. He had tweeted out this story and then just made what I thought was kind of an interesting point because somewhere buried in the context of this content of this um, VentureBeat article is this idea of outsourcing, doing the thinking about what you're going to eat to this AI thing and to the meal delivery people so that you can kind of focus on other things much in the same way that you might have a Spotify playlist pre-curated for you that you just keep on going on in the background while you're working or whatever it is you're doing. And uh, Chris's point was... You know, there are all these things that claim to automate all these aspects of everyday life in the interest of freeing you up to do all these allegedly more important things that you're supposed to be yeah. doing. Like, who has that many more important things? And isn't there a certain pleasure? And I mean, you know, I like to cook, so that's my thing. You like music, so you probably don't actually use those Spotify pre-curated playlists because you mm. want to... Do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but my Spotify died. Yeah, I'm kind of going through Spotify withdrawal. I'm mm-hmm. listening to records now again. Mm-hmm. It's more work. It is more work. <laughs> it's a lot more work. And even going to find the CDs is a lot more work. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't get my, you know, my plug fixed on my laptop, and I'll just continue doing this, because Lord knows I have enough music. You do. Yeah. But, I mean, this, I think Chris makes an interesting point, which is, like, isn't there actually, or oughtn't there to be an inherent kind of pleasure or value or worth in these albeit somewhat mundane tasks of everyday life, like picking the music that you want or figuring out what you want to eat and buying it. And yeah, I don't know. We've been doing this thing lately where Loblaws has this thing where it's like things that are just buy their best before date is called oh, Enjoy yeah. Tonight. And it's yeah. like 50% off. And so we've been trying as much as possible to shop the Enjoy Tonight. It's like, what kind of oh, random God. set of ingredients are we going to come home with tonight? But it's oh, like, I it's like kind that. of a fun little challenge. It's First of all, a lot cheaper, but also, um, you know, it helps prevent food waste, right? Which is a huge problem. You're just doing it because you're lazy. It has nothing to do with preventing. I am not. I'm doing it because I'm cheap. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. She is. It is true. (laughs) Very true. I like a bargain. You like a bargain, so do I. A couple of good Scottish lassies. <laughs> you won't find two thriftier gals in Nora Louise and Kathleen Elizabeth. Yes, yeah. although I do think you got a very nice bottle of wine tonight, so I'm curious about tasting that. Oh, okay. Well, mm. then we better hustle Get over to it. Hustle our bustles over to the booze. All right. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Check yeah, out the links do. on the phone mm. or on your phone or at the website, thesuper.net. And tell your friends. Please do. Thanks please. so much for joining us. Yes, yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.